0: This is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Support the Slowboat Sailing Podcast on patreon.com/slash slowboat sailing. Hello, this is Linus. Greetings. So I'm really excited to bring you Tasha and Ryan from the Chase the Story YouTube channel, the Turf to Surf blog. And uh, their SV Cheeky Monkey is the name of their awesome catamaran. So Tasha and Ryan, they have a pretty big boat, and they have typically had a lot of crew on their boat. And, you know, in many respects, they're, they're similar to SV Delos, that is a, a big boat with a lot of crew. They put out just awesome uh, episodes on YouTube If you haven't seen them yet, uh, you will definitely want to check them out. Uh, You know, I didn't go deep into their background, but they have a really interesting background. I wanted to focus on uh, their trip to the Marquesas and the Galapagos in this episode and in the bonus episode. If you want to hear more about their story and their journey, uh, Tasha was interviewed a few years back by Teddy J on the, the Sail Loot podcast. And, you know, that goes into how she and Ryan started sailing, how they started their business, uh, and their cruise of the Eastern Caribbean in their previous boat, which was a, a monohull. And if my memory serves me right, that was episode four of the Sail Loop podcast. I believe Cheeky Monkey a pretty much brand new boat that they got in Europe and they sailed across the Atlantic, through the Panama Canal, and we pretty much pick up on their story uh, when they got to the Galapagos. So I have great news for you. If you're downloading this right when it comes out, as I hope you do, then you have a chance to get my third book, my newest book, "Slowboat to Cuba," absolutely free in ebook form on the Amazon sites worldwide. So I'm making the book free for two days on November 21st, 2016, and November 22nd, 2016. Then on November 23rd, the price of the book is going to go up to $0.99. Cents. On the November 24th, it'll go up to $1.99. On November 25th, it'll go up to $2.99, and it'll go up to... $3.99 on November 26th, and on November 27th, it'll go up to 4.99, dollars where we'll keep the price at uh, through the holidays. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, and definitely share that with your friends on social media or via email, uh, so they can get the free book on Monday and Tuesday, no, November 21st and 22nd, 2016, or take advantage of the introductory low-price uh, this week. Slow Boat to Cuba is the story of how I overcame family, bureaucratic, and weather obstacles to start the round-the-world voyage of my dreams and sail to the forbidden paradise of Cuba in the summer of 2016. It was one of those carpe diem moments. We have every reason to believe based on the statements of incoming Congress and President, that it's going to become a lot harder for Americans to go to Cuba uh, come January 2017. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope the embargo is repealed, but I uh, have little reason to believe that, and I certainly wouldn't bet on it. So if you're thinking about a trip to Cuba, do it now. Do it over Christmas. Do it before January 20th. So I didn't have any podcast listeners reach out to me about being a crew member for the South Pacific Passage to Hiva Oa and the Marquesas, but I got some great crew members already, and I am looking into doing that very soon, Uh, which means that I may not be able to put out a podcast in December uh, or put out any more YouTube videos in December. I put out a YouTube video... In our round the world vlog series. And we're up to episode seven now. The latest is the second in Providencia, Colombia. We've completed all the videos in Cuba. So to give you an idea of the amount of detail in the Vlog series versus the book, the Vlog series probably lasts about 40 minutes. Book lasts about three and a half hours to read. Uh, the audiobook version is only available to our uh, patrons who pledge three dollars or more on Patreon.com, uh, but you can get the book, the ebook, uh, for free, uh, and if you like paperback, uh, that makes a great gift too, and that's going to be available on Amazon sites worldwide. So, with the round the world uh, vlog series, we got 13 episodes planned, and Seven out, so we're about halfway through. After episode eight, we'll we'll be our last one in Providencia. We'll start talking about Panama, and you get to see the entrance to the Panama Canal, our Panama Canal trip, if you subscribe on YouTube. And I'm going to give away, we're getting closer to this goal of having 500 YouTube subscribers. We're in the 400s right now, and uh, when we hit 500, one of those subscribers who sends me their US address uh, will get a free limited edition book, Slowboat to Cuba, in paperback, which retails at $19.99. But this is a special one. This is the first one ever printed. The proof copy, completely brand new, except for I'll probably sign it for the winner. So if you want to take advantage of that, subscribe on YouTube and also drop me a line on Facebook or on Twitter. Use personal messenger in either place and tell me your US address and I'll put you in the drawing. If you've been watching the VLOG series, we put the drawings at the end of the VLOGs and we've had a number of drawings based on a number of milestones. Those that have already uh, given me their US address to be in the drawing and already subscribed, they I keep them in the in the drawing until they win. And so no need to contact me again. So I'm also excited that, you know, between episode 28 and this episode 29, uh, we hit our Patreon goal of $20 per episode. So thanks to everybody who's helped pay for the podcast and had access to all our great bonus episodes and also the audiobook of. How to Sail Around the World Part-Time, thanks to all our patrons who made that possible and have essentially given to all our listeners and everyone in the world a free copy of Slow Boat to the Bahamas, which is a funny look at sailing in small boats and sailing off to the exotic foreign islands of the Bahamas. It's my hope to make that free on Christmas Day 2016. That is December 25th, 2016. I can't do that right away because of technicalities within Amazon. So I would encourage you, if you want to make sure that you get notice of the free day, uh, to sign up for my free newsletter by going to slowboatsailing.com. Or go to our WordPress blog and sign in. Uh, but you can always do that at slowboatsailing.com if you're, whether you're a first-time visitor or uh, a frequent visitor. Uh, there's a box up there. You put in your email address. It's totally free. I typically don't send out more than a, a an email a week, but it's more likely that I'll send one once a month or once every couple months. And... It's totally free to sign up and you know my newsletter subscribers already got access to free advanced copies of slowboat to Cuba and uh, one of the promises is I give away three free books to my subscribers and uh, those uh, newsletter subscribers will be informed about the free day which I hope will be December 25th 2000. 16. So I've been busy getting the consumables for the engine. So one thing that you're always going to run out of when you're cruising is fuel filter elements and oil filter elements and O-rings and gaskets. If you're doing a regular maintenance schedule on your engine, so you'll hear about a lot of guys that will. Replace their engine, and they think that if they have a brand new engine, it's going to work out great. But there are a lot of stories of people that buy a brand new engine for their sailboat and it doesn't work out great. And there's really no substitute for doing the regular maintenance on your engine. That's one of the things while cruising why it's good to cruise part time because it's much easier to get those consumables back in Europe or Australia or New Zealand or the United States or Canada than it is in the islands. Uh, The other thing that I got was I didn't have the right nuts for my propeller. So I have a spare propeller, but if your propeller falls off, you're gonna lose the nuts that are holding it on in addition to the... So if you read Slow Boat to Cuba, you'll hear about how I did kind of uh, some patchwork repairs on the Bimini in Cuba. But by the time we got to Ecuador, It was really falling apart, Uh, so I brought back the, the Bimini, and I got a new one stitched here in Louisiana. And I don't live very near to sailmakers. There aren't any sailmakers in Lafayette, Louisiana. I don't live in New Orleans where we used to keep our boat. Now that we don't have our boat in New Orleans, I don't have a lot of call to go there. The only times I was really going to the New Orleans area was to take the captain's exam, and now that I'm done with that, uh, one piece of news is that I got my captain's license upgraded to an OUPV six-pack uh, near coastal from inland, uh, and I thought I would have to take a test for that, but I, I didn't. I just had to pay the fee and, and show my sea service, which was great because I didn't want to take any more tests. Uh, perhaps it was because I'd taken tests so recently. Anyway, so I got the upgrade license, and I don't really have that much call to go to New Orleans anymore uh, with no boat in New Orleans, which is over 100 miles from my home. and It's pretty much a three-hour drive each way, so that makes for a really long day in the car uh, if you're going to do that in one day. Otherwise, you have to pay for a hotel. I have no place to stay in New Orleans we, we actually were thinking of, like, you know, making a trip to New Orleans, but the weekend we looked at was so expensive, we just couldn't afford it. There's always a festival going on in New Orleans, and some of those are more popular than others, and the French Quarter's completely sold out. I tried to find places that would sew a bimini closer to home, and I found that upholstery shops sew biminis all the time. So if you're kind of looking into your Google Maps app, trying to figure out where can I get my Bimini made or repaired. You should try upholstery shops. So I think I got a really good price given the complexity of my Bimini, how much custom work they had to do at an upholstery shop. And I'm sure if I got quotes from a sailmaker, it would have been much more. You know, you can get as many quotes as you want from upholstery shops. In the Lafayette area, there's probably about 10, maybe more. From my economics training... You know, the more competitors there are, the lower the prices. Uh, so, you know, if there's only one sailmaker, two sailmakers in, in your area, price is going to be pretty high. If there are 50 upholstery shops, then you probably could get a pretty good deal. I'm pretty happy with that. You know, ideally, you're going to have the boat right there. But with a boat in Ecuador, there's really nothing I can do about it. They used the original as a pattern. I was hoping that they could restitch the old one, but they just thought it was too far gone and they it was a lot easier for them to make the new one if they used it as a pattern for the old one, so we just have a new one now. So, you know, since we've hit our Patreon goal, it makes sense to set another goal. You know, one thing that became clear to me over the summer and after I came back, was I'd buy a lot more equipment for the podcast. I had to pay more for internet for the podcast. I had to upgrade my equipment, uh, both for the podcast and also for the vlog series in terms of Wi-Fi equipment at home and also uh, equipment, uh, camera gear, so tripods, GoPro knockoffs, all that other stuff. Still had that website hosting that we're trying to pay for the podcast hosting that we're trying to pay for and you know so we're setting an $80 goal uh, you'll find that's a, a lower goal than any other podcast that's on patreon right now i know a podcaster who is trying to outsource a lot of the tasks that he does but he still is is just working like a dog put out the podcast and paying a lot of money to put out the podcast and really to outsource this stuff at the cheapest of cheap rates using places like Fiverr and stuff like, or Upwork, uh, you know, it's still going to cost something like $300 an episode when he's getting some help. So one of the things I want to do with our next goal is to reward the patrons of the podcast You know, this goal, we rewarded everybody, every sailor in the world, not the patrons uh, who are making it all possible. Uh, In this one, uh, when we hit that goal, uh, we're going to have a drawing to give our most loyal patrons uh, the greatest chance of winning uh, two weeks in a desirable location in the South Pacific two-week cruise in a private cabin on the slow boat uh, with me. So it's my hope the the slow boat is going to be in the Marquesas for almost all or all the summer of North American summer or Northern Hemisphere summer of 2017, if this trip goes well. And, you know, it would be wonderful if we could have a patron who flies out for two weeks and basically has a free captain charter uh, in the most beautiful islands in the world? If you'd like to support just the podcast, you could just pledge as little as a dollar a month. If you would like to support the Vlog series and the podcast, pledge per episode. You'll only be charged for the Round the World Vlog series, which are the highly edited episodes that I put on. Slowboat Sailing YouTube channel about our round the world voyage. Or if you're only doing it once per month, the maximum you'd be charged is once that month. And it's my intention to put out the podcast once a month and the vlog series once a month. Check out the great rewards at Patreon slash Slowboat Sailing. Of course, in December, the, the internet is not that fast. Uh, I got an Iridium Go, but it's not fast enough to upload a podcast in the middle of the ocean. And I'm told that the Iridium Go is probably about the speeds that you can expect. uh, That is satellite internet speeds in the Marquesas. There's no fast internet anywhere in the Marquesas. And so Tosh and Ryan talk about the internet in the episode. So that's a great segue into the episode. Here we go. Thanks for listening to the Slowboat Sailing podcast, and you'll love the interview with Tosh and Ryan. Internet
1: in French Polynesia is not very, very good.
0: Yeah, I was think I was you know resigned to that I wouldn't get to talk to most people in French Polynesia until after the after the cyclone season started. So <laughs> and yeah. until they found their cyclone season home. Well, there's a lot of boats in uh, French Polynesia right now. I think that we're not as effective as you guys are to, to scoping out the, the, <laughs> the great internet speeds, so... Uh, it's a
1: top priority of mine always.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, as is mine. So, you guys found that the airport was awesome?
1: Oh my god, the airport has the fastest Wi-Fi. And there's one hotel in town, too that's got fast Wi-Fi.
0: Cool, but nothing really in the Marquesas.
1: Oh no, apparently all the islands up there are running off satellite. Their internet runs off satellite. And Ooh. so like, when it goes down, everybody's internet goes down and that's that's pretty much like every other day.
2: Tahiti so has internet, um, a wide internet from Hawaii, um, but they've not actually extended that yet to the outlying islands. But they're talking about doing that soon, so the, the the islands will come online eventually. But at the moment, IET has a uh, a speed of internet, a quality of internet, that the outlying islands just don't have.
0: Yeah, I mean, if uh, my understanding of satellite is, it's like, so I'm an old guy, so I I remember like you know when AOL was big, and you know I think they have like four thousand baud or something. They were telling me that the iridium stuff has. So I'm really shocked that anybody was able to upload a video with that in the Marquesas. Yeah, well we
1: did actually upload a video when we were in uh, Fakarava, one of the atolls, and it took 48 hours. The woman who runs the little house with internet, she let me plug in my computer and leave it open and running overnight at her house for 48 hours, and that's how long it took to upload a 16 minute video. Okay.
0: Uh, so I guess they, they, everybody that has uploaded videos, they made it to Tahiti first.
1: No, no, actually, like, La Vagabond. if you follow them, uh, they were doing the same as we were. We've been behind them, so we keep meeting the same people that they've been, uh, using their internet at. They're like, oh, did it work? Fantastic! Can we upload a video? <laughs> so, we've sort of hit up the same, uh, context every island there's always like one person who has internet and it's never great but um if they'll let you leave your computer plugged in for several days then it'll eventually do something
0: oh okay all right (laughs) yeah i mean that's i've been watching la vagabond since they left uh panama since they went to panama and yep. the, I, I did see them like put it in like this hut and then pray for two days or something. So it sounds like yeah, your story. We use that same hut, the semaphore in Hiva
1: OS, the, the woman who runs it is really lovely, and she tries to help as much as possible.
0: Okay. I guess you alluded to that maybe Ryan is the, the more technical guy about speeds, or at least he has a measuring device for it. What were the speeds? There? Oh, we just
1: uh, we just run a speed test. I have an app on my phone and, and a website, you know, speedtest.net, and we just check the speeds of every every uh, location we go to.
0: So, what was the speed in Hiva Oa?
1: <laughs> 0.03 megabits download and like 0.02 megabits upload.
0: Ah, uh, okay, 0.3 megabits. Okay. 0.
1: that's like it was the same in the galapagos just that's that's like pain painfully slow okay um like we i can't stream without at least what like 0.8 or something like close to one megabits download would allow me to maybe like buffer a video and watch it but yeah there's there's nothing in the marquesas or in the galapagos that's going to allow you to stream
0: yeah i mean like uh you know how did it compare to like your iridium go or whatever i assume you guys have some sort of satellite system on cheeky monkey oh
1: yeah i mean the iridium go is great but it is really just for weather routing and for staying in contact by email uh and maybe sending the odd photo but um like video that's not an option there's like, and there's yeah, no of browsing. course, but
0: I mean, like, like maybe Hiva Oa was faster than your Iridium Go. Uh,
1: yes. Everything's faster than the Iridium Go. It's <laughs> pretty much the slowest. The lowest. Uh, you know, it is a convenience because we can get all all our weather grips out at sea, but it's not it's not anything like a real internet connection.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean that you say that they have like satellite internet in the outlying islands. I'm just trying yeah. to understand what that means because you know, to to me, uh, like for instance, when we visited Wardick Wells, right? That's all they yeah. have is satellite there. They didn't have any cell phone connections there, and that was really hard to just bring up an email, like a text only yeah. email. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I would guess maybe he was always kind of along the same lines.
1: I don't know, I don't know the technicals of how their internet works, I just know where it's good and where it's bad, and it's very bad in French Polynesia.
0: Okay, of course I think you guys have a wonderful channel. All my uh, you. you know, Facebook friends have been raving about you guys for a long time when you were crossing <laughs> the Atlantic, but I've been more interested uh, since since you guys came to, to Panama and uh, in the video time, of course your Galapagos videos. Because of my, my plan, my boat is in Ecuador right now, so my plan is to, to go to Galapagos and Hiva Oa next summer, and then
1: oh great
0: uh, North American summer, and then haul out the boat in Hiva Oa. Current plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes. You've
2: already, you've, you've already uh, like, scouted out the options in Hiva Oa
0: to, to get your boat hauled? Basant. Basant yeah there's a there's a yard there i i don't know if you visited yeah, i think it's the yard and marina it's
2: not very
1: large <laughs>
0: yeah it's like a yard and a marina and so they do have long-term dry storage there it was interesting they
1: do have long-term dry storage it's not so much a marina though there's not really a marina on hiva oa
0: yeah yeah you would
2: consider a marina
0: yeah, yeah
2: yeah they have about they probably have about uh 10 15 maybe 15 boats uh, for every cyclone season over there, um, and it's, it's your best option in the Marquesas to get your boat hauled Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that that sounds good. Yeah. And somebody wrote a noonside article, like in August, and so I was, uh, I was sure that I had to go to Tahiti or maybe Atutaki or um, Atutaki. Yeah. Yeah. You would know the, the pronunciation better than I do.
2: How much do you draw uh, on your boat four feet well one of the options i mean the thing about apataki over the marquesas is that the uh apataki is very dry yeah and the marquesas is um, much more humid and wet
0: mm-hmm. so some
2: people between riotella and apataki and then a over they choose apataki and you could definitely do that with the with, with what you, your draft is um because it's the driest of the three options and some people really appreciate that because you can
0: leave your boat there for six months or so and obviously the humidity does have some effect. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a good point. You know, I interviewed uh, somebody who was uh, crossing the Pacific I think in 2011, 2012 and she was warning about Aputaki because it's, it's kind of a small operation and it was like closed down for a while. <laughs> That people couldn't Maybe get their boats out? Ago,
1: every, we've had lots of um, very strong recommendations from cruisers who return to Apataki every year to put their boat up on the hard and then go back to the States or do what they do in the winter. And yeah, from what we hear as of the way it functions now, it's run by a very nice family and they actually do what a lot of boatyards say they'll do, but they don't do, which is go in and air out your boat and visit it every week to make sure they they check it for moisture and stuff like that. So everyone here has raved about how great they take care of the boats there. So we've sort of, we're, we're gonna do the same for cyclone season, take the boat to Apataki.
0: Oh, okay, so you're you're gonna go upwind back to Apataki?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay, all right, so, uh, and how did you get a chance to look at it when you were at apataki
1: no we haven't been there yet
0: okay all right do you mind if i ask you like what kind of rates do they have or
1: i actually i don't know that offhand i i don't
0: know i mean i could probably send you an email with some info later but i i I don't know
1: off the top of my head
0: i guess you've gotten a lot of good recommendations for there
1: yeah, yeah, a lot of cruisers in this area who, like most of the cruisers that are here now in Tahiti, are people who stick around French Polynesia long term. So um, we've met a lot of people who haven't, you know, aren't moving on to New Zealand, and so they're they're putting their boat somewhere for cyclone season. And we've gotten all the recommendations from people who've used the different yards.
0: You've uh, flown to Tahiti a few times. Uh, how did you find that? Was that, or at least once, uh, was. Is it pretty easy to get around the islands?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it depends what island you're on, but there's a few islands that have flights uh, regularly. There's some islands, like Apataki, they only have one flight per week. Um, but, yeah, I had to go visit the doctors, so when we were out in Fakaraba, luckily it was easy to hop over to the airport and then get down to Tahiti. Yeah, it was no trouble at all, and... Actually, like there's a nice little hotel which is not that expensive, and so I just stayed there for two days while I hit the doctor and then came back.
2: I mean, one of the, thing, one, of the one of the great things about Tahiti is you know, from most of our sailing, uh, like for example, like in the Caribbean or or down the east coast of America, it's, it's often the case that there's a lot of civilization, so to speak, and then there's some a, a few kind of like remote, beautiful anchorages. Where the South Pacific is the complete opposite, it is literally one beautiful remote anchorage after another and you're actually going out looking or you, you, every now and then you get, you come across one of the civilizations so to speak and Tahiti's that so it's a real hub for you know for, for this part of the world I mean the next nearest like so so to speak hub is about a thousand miles away almost so this is a real little uh, you know like, like gravity like people are drawn here
1: yeah and uh, every cruiser is a little different like some people really just like to stay out at the remote islands and they don't want to go to civilization but I actually really love Papete and I've, I've loved being here because there's you know there's running paths on the waterfront. there's a Crawfit box I can go to. I went to a Polynesian dance class last night um, and there's you know lots of cruisers around. It's, uh, it has all the friendliness of the Polynesians in French Polynesia and then it's also got stuff and stores and uh, things so that's pretty exciting
0: yeah I would say I probably do gravitate more towards civilization than the remote anchorages but yeah it's true everybody is different you know I think one good thing you bring up about anchoring is you know one of the things is like the depths and kind of the anchoring gear that uh, you need for uh, places I think uh, for instance I think you had on your Facebook blog uh, in Hiva Oa you had kind of Everybody does a double anchor the stern and a and. A
1: yeah, yeah, which is a pain. <laughs> I uh, hate any anchorage where that, where I have to throw a stern anchor. I just want boats to swing, and I don't want to be fussing around with a stern anchor.
0: Maybe that was the time of the year that it was so crowded. It's such a small anchorage. Is that what is the reason for it?
2: No, basically the tide goes in and out there at uh, such a leak that. Uh, boats start swinging around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we were there, it wasn't the busy time of year at all for, for that anchorage in Hiva Oa. But without a second anchor out, yeah, boats will start moving. And and they, and and they even just with the rocks and stuff, you can start work, working way over towards those. Uh, so it's one of those rare places where a second anchor is really essential.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I think there's probably not a lot of other places where they have out second anchors. Is that right?
1: No, no, we haven't seen any since then, and most of the places have been, you know, have had very few boats, or we've been to quite a few spots that have had um, free mooring balls you can tie up to, and that's kind of nice.
2: Yeah, since we left France, so we're talking about, I don't know, like twenty, twenty-five thousand 25,000 nautical miles ago, we've only actually used (laughs) a second anchor once, so it's definitely not a common
0: thing, it's just, it was essentially a hibot oa. Where did you visit in the Marquesas?
2: We
1: only went to uh, Hiva Oa, and then we went to Tawata, which is a really remote little island. And then uh, after that, we headed over to Fakarava, which is in the Tuamotus.
2: But we also, when we came in, we went to... Uh,
1: oh, Fatuhiva was where yeah. we arrived. We actually went to Hiva before we went to Hiva
2: Oa. And there's a lot of question marks about Hiva because... Um, it's actually uh, windward of uh, Hiva Oa, so when you're crossing the Pacific, it's actually one of the, the, the first island you come to, but it, there's no option to check in there, so a lot of people bypass it and go straight over to Hiva Oa because they, they feel that an obligation, which I understand, to check in first, but it's actually okay to stop in fact Hiva for as long as you want on the way past, and there's no problems with that. Um, and if you don't stop there on the way past, the chance of you turn around and go back to Winwood to get there are pretty remote. I mean, it's pretty it's uphill at that stage.
0: It's, it's a pretty that...
1: stunning place to arrive to as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think Lavagabon Vagabond did that in their video, but then I also had a guest in our episode four, and she was... She was like, well, we we went to, we didn't, a lot of people stopped, but in the year that she was there, a lot of people were getting hassled for not checking in at Hiva Oa first, so she was like, well, we, instead we uh, we went upwind, so yeah, that's that's kind of a debate in my mind. I, I guess it it's good news that you guys didn't have any hassles with that, because obviously Fatu Hiva is a, a stop that I would like to make this summer.
2: Not only did we not have any hassles but there was no one there who was even, you know, like talking about anyone getting any hassles and definitely the island themselves that it just wasn't a factor so I would definitely stop there and at the end of the day if someone gives you hassles then you you know you can you can go to Hiva O and check in you know you know that's not not a major problem but I would definitely
0: recommend that people just stop there on the way past because it wasn't a factor and, and it, it is a beautiful beautiful island the people there are amazing. Yeah all right cool good recommendation uh and how is the anchorage there it's supposed to be gorgeous is it uh is it a rolly one though
1: it's a little sketchy uh you need to get to a good holding yeah
2: yeah the holdings are back to more than than any rolliness that's it's it's very much just trying to get a grip on the ground to to hang on because there's a little bit of sand and gravel on, on either side of the anchorage but in the middle it's just rock so if you do try to hit down in in the centre of the anchorage, then it will take a few goes before you get some sort of um, holding on, you know, in that area. But definitely uh, on the sides, there's a little bit better
0: holding. So are the anchorages mostly rocky, or is it just fatuhiwa? No, most of them are
1: just sand.
2: Also, don't forget we've got a, a catamaran, so rolling is not really something we suffer a lot from in anchorages.
0: Right. Yeah, it okay. doesn't phase much yeah that is a good topic we should kind of since you guys are, had a mono haul and now you have a catamaran maybe you could give the listeners a critique of a mono haul versus a catamaran to- i don't
1: know if it's so much a critique as much as a i mean i think we very much believe that there is a perfect boat for every purpose and it really depends what you want to do and what it is you appreciate about boats That decides your preference and whether you go for a a catamaran or a monohull and I think with our monohull you know monohulls generally run uh, you know as a starter boat much cheaper than buying a catamaran as a starter boat and when we started with our old boat we were very new to sailing and we just wanted something cheap and easy to get up and running so our monohull was perfect for that and we took it all the way down to the Bahamas and the Caribbean Uh, And that's when we really got a taste for wanting to go a bit bigger And when we considered whether we'd upgrade to a bigger monohull or to go with a catamaran I think it was more about like what is our life gonna be like from this point forward? and it wasn't what we were doing before which was like weekend sailing or You know just sticking to the coast for cruising we were planning on doing some you know remote ocean sailing and staying at anchor so it was more about like what's our life gonna be like on this boat and you really can't beat catamarans for the space and we fell in love with the Fountain Pajot Helia because in a 44-foot boat it's also 24 feet wide and it's really modern in its layout so like the galley is a real pleasure to cook in Um, it's on the same level as the cockpit it's a it's a pleasure to sail and it's got so much room you know we're very comfortable at anchor and that was the big factor for us was really, it wasn't so much about, you know, sailing and its performance, though this boat does sail really well. Um, it was more about like, what was our life at anchor gonna be like?
0: So one point that I think you brought up was that rolling, you think it's, it's got a better motion in a rolly anchorage than a monohull, is that right?
2: Well, basically we just don't roll in an anchorage. Yeah. Um, or, or, or a marina in that respect either. which we, We're completely flat. So if being on a stable platform in an anchorage is, is, is good for you, I and mean, I don't know many people who actually would go against that,
0: so to speak, then definitely a cat like this is perfect. Okay, so you you think the the motion is much better in, at anchor than a, a monohull? Yes. Yeah, okay. And then the... You know, the other thing that people bring up about cats is uh, that they they have a different motion at sea, so uh, they don't yeah, heal, that's
2: true.
0: Uh, but maybe... I think somebody described it as they have a jerky motion, maybe, or kind of a random motion. It's harder to It really to depends predict. on what
1: direction into the wind you're going. I mean, they don't love going upwind. Uh, sailing downwind though is extremely pleasant um, and as far as yeah jerky motions I'm not sure I'm familiar with that feeling. Well
2: one of the things about the uh, camera is with the two holes then each wave that comes through uh, does produce uh, some sort of motion but it's very minimal but you're getting hit by the same wave twice whereas with a monohole you're only getting hit by that wave once so when, when a wave hits a monohole it starts a motion to to lean that then isn't really corrected until the next wave comes, whereas with a catman yeah it hit, it, that one that single wave hits it twice. So that second um, hit
0: maybe maybe surprises especially somebody used to the motion of a mono Yeah, I
2: mean I think the level of seasickness on on a catman is probably a lot less than it is on a monohull.
0: Okay, all right. I think that you know I think that's interesting. I I'm agnostic on it. I I own a mono but I. I can see the the value of a catamaran. I tried to convince my wife to at least charter one, but uh, she's, she's she's resisted that. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have no doubt in our future beyond this boat and this trip that we'll end up with another monohull again. Because they're you know if you're sticking close to port and you know you're going out on the weekends or going on short trips like monohulls are just so much fun to sail, and you get that sensation of. The healing, and you know, especially if you like racing, you know, going out in a monohull to race in regattas is, you know, it's 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 fun. Monohulls are are for that purpose, I think, and and obviously people sail around the world in them too. We just wanted to have a little bit more comfort in space than than we thought a monohull could give us.
0: Let's see. You know, one of the things I has kind of puzzled me. So you have you and you mentioned in your email to me the name of your blog yeah, is. So,
1: I- Yeah, our different media, um, basically when we started sailing out of New York in 2012 on Hideaway, I started a blog which was called Turf to Surf, and that's still, uh, still... the blog that I write on um, in terms of sailing stories and stories about our journey around the world. And then it was a year ago when we bought the new boat that we started to dabble around and play with the idea of making videos and we weren't really sure if we would want to um, and we also didn't want it, Turf to Surf is really kind of the, the person behind it is me and though Ryan is someone who shows up in the stories it's not like he writes on that blog. So. We didn't want to make a turf-to-surf um, video channel, which was just all me. We wanted to be able to, you know, both collaborate on it and also bring other people in. And so, yeah, we created the the YouTube channel Chase the Story a year ago now. When we uh, got onto our brand new boat, picked it up in La Rochelle, and then started this journey that we're on now on Cheeky Monkey. So um, the both of them exist. One is a a pure writing blog and the other one is a youtube channel with our video stories
0: i did notice that you you have a turf to surf youtube channel too but you didn't want to you wanted to start yeah, a new no, one
1: that was something like we when we were uh sailing on the hideaway our little monohull we had played around with some gopro videos but we you know we didn't i don't think we were we weren't really looking at doing Video production, and certainly nothing like what we're doing now with the video blog. So that was really just place a place to post little videos that we made during that time. But the primary purpose of Turf to Surf was uh, a written blog.
0: Okay. Well, I, you know, I think it's pretty brave to like start anew. You know, uh, you've obviously done a great job of it, and and people love it. And you guys make uh, tremendous videos. Uh, you know, the other thing that really interests me about your channel was that you have a lot of volunteer crew, and that's what I, I have a lot of volunteer crew, too, at least. So I, I, use volu- I have had volunteer crew on my boat, especially for the offshore stuff. And so, I, you know, I wanted to talk to you about your crew, and you, met, you brought them up. You had Liam, Gemma, and Christy on the boat all the way to Hiva Oa. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and we had another guy with us, um, uh, Lance, who got on in Panama and sailed with us to the Galapagos and then got out in the Galapagos.
0: Okay, so you had you had four volunteer crew members uh, to the Galapagos, is that it?
1: Yep, and then uh, three of them came across the Pacific with us.
0: Okay, and you also had a uh, volunteer crew in the Caribbean and the Atlantic Ocean and the Med.
1: Yeah, and they were they were really just friends of ours. And uh, we put the feelers out when we were crossing the Atlantic to people, sailors who were friends of ours that might want to come along for the journey. So, yeah, they hopped on for that ride. And Christy is the one crew member who is on the boat for the Atlantic, uh, the Caribbean, and the Pacific.
0: Okay, so Christy's been on it uh the most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And she uh, she was someone that Ryan and I met when we did the Clipper Round the World race a few years ago. Um, Chrissy was on another boat and she was from an area near us in New York. So, we met her the year the Clipper race started and stayed in touch with her and visited in the ports where she did the full Round the World race and we just did a, a couple of legs. So, um, so, yeah, she was really excited. About uh, doing the Atlantic on a cruising boat, since she'd done the Atlantic on a, we'd, we'd all done the Atlantic on a racing boat, but it's a very different experience.
0: And then Liam and Gemma, did they did they join? And Lance, did they join in Panama or did they join in the the Caribbean?
1: They got on in different spots. So we picked up Liam in Colombia. He was backpacking around Colombia at the time, so he came up to Cartagena okay. when we were there. Gemma came from South Africa and got on board in Cartagena as well. And Lance uh, was living and working in St. John. So he flew to Panama and got on the boat in Panama.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you've been very successful with your crew members. What what do you look for in crew? How do you find good crew that stay on and are happy and, you know... Do the job. The
1: first time around, we just really wanted to go sailing with friends, and that was great. So we just invited people that we already knew from the sailing world, and um, yeah, and it was kind of important to us crossing the Atlantic that we had people who were fairly competent sailors, because you know we were also feeling a, a little bit nervous about crossing the Atlantic in our own boat for the first time. So it was great to have a crew of really seasoned sailors. Uh, The second time around, we had more of a a creative um, endeavor with seeking out crews. So we really put out an ad, not so much looking for people who necessarily had sailing skills because we were happy to handle the boat ourselves, but we, we felt it would be an advantage if they were sailors, but what we were really looking for was someone who could contribute to the creative project of Chase the Story. So like Chrissy, who is, uh, is now a very seasoned uh, videographer, she, um, she had a lot of video making responsibilities. Gemma came on board because we really liked some of the animated drawings that she had done. So she did a little bit of that in our videos. Um, Liam kind of, he came on not so much as part of the creative project, although he did contribute by writing little blurbs for us and posting on social media. He was kind of like the the mechanical guy. He was meant to keep all of of our, you know, boat systems running, that kind of thing. And Lance was, uh, Lance was someone who wanted to get involved in the video making and he had a lot of water sports experience. So we were looking forward to to doing some windsurfing with him. And, And so, yeah, we've kind of picked our crew based on personalities that we thought we would get along with and would get along with each other. And then also what they could contribute to the boat in terms of you know either keeping the boat running or or the creative stuff that they were getting involved in
0: so were the were all the crew members in the watch system or or not
1: yeah okay yeah yeah we had a watch system the entire time
0: so you kind of expected them to be in the watch system and then you also expected them to contribute to the 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 blogging and vlogging and
1: yeah, not so much blogging, but it was about the video making.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's great. It sounds kind of like uh, more of the Delos model, you know. <laughs> uh, you guys, uh, yeah, I guess... Yeah,
1: they're very inspiring. We've been following them for a long time, and we really love, um, you know, the vibe of being able to experience places with a group of like-minded people.
0: Well, I think the other thing uh, is that, you know... Uh, if you look at uh, Brian Troutman, right, he kind of has a management background and you guys obviously have a, a great management background. And so I think that the, you know, I don't think every skipper would be as successful as you guys is uh, managing such a diverse team and picking the right team. So.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I guess it's probably different for everyone. Um, there are gonna be people who, want something yeah I mean I can't really speak to how people develop those skills but I mean when it's your own boat obviously you care a lot more about what happens to it and we've just learned over time we were very relaxed in the beginning without so much like of the rigid schedules we kind of became more rigid with our schedules as time went on because we found it took a lot of stress off of us and the crew As in, like, you just always, knowing when and, you know, where you need to be or what you need to do at specific times means that you can really truly relax in your off hours as opposed to having just sort of a relaxed schedule of, like, sometimes people cook now and, you know, sometimes, you know, you can cook if you want to, then people get a little stressed out because they don't know when they're supposed to be on and when they're supposed to be off. It's nice to know when your off time is and you... You don't need to be expected to clean or cook or, you know, be at the helm. Um, so, yeah, that was just something we adapted over time from the experience of being with crew.
0: All right. That was Tasha and Ryan of Chase Asori YouTube channel. You can also check out Tasha's blog at Turf to Surf and uh Among other things, we talk about the pet policies in French Polynesia and also touring the Galapagos and, you know, how they dealt with tours and crew. And, you know, there was just a, a wealth of information. If you're planning on cruising the Galapagos, you definitely want to hear that bonus episode. If you're planning on cruising the South Pacific with pets, you want to hear that bonus episode. I learned a lot. You know, one of the things that I learned was that it really was impossible for me to take daily on my dog on this leg of the voyage. While it's okay to sail uh, with a pet, if the pet stays on your boat all the time in French Polynesia, if you are flying off of your boat, which Tosh and Ryan were when I interviewed them, uh, it is a big deal and you have to get uh, a lot of things done in Papiti, Tahiti, which is a long ways from the Marquesas, right? That's a – if off the top of my head, I would guess is about 800 nautical miles from the Marquesas. And Tosh and Ryan ended up having to go to Tahiti and then sail upwind back to the Tuamotus, uh, which are further east of where Tahiti is uh, – to where they eventually hauled out their boat for hurricane season, and you know they also talk about their future plans for future seasons, which I'm sure people in the who follow the Chase the Story YouTube channel like I do uh, will be very interested in. So you can hear that bonus episode and all the bonus episodes going back to episode ten with SV Delos by pledging just one dollar on Patreon.com that will also get you my audiobook, How to Sail Around the World Part-Time as an MP3 file in your personal RSS feed. And so when I update the bonus episode, you'll get that just like you get a podcast. And I've got a little blog on the Patreon.com slash sailing site to tell you how to do that and take advantage of it. I love it now that they've changed it. Uh, it's just so much easier than just streaming it on the Patreon site, but you can do that too. But you can only do that if you are a patron. There are a lot of uh, posts on the patreon.com slash sailing site that you can see if you're not a patron. But the bonus episodes, all of those are only visible to patrons of the podcast who have pledged at least a dollar. So I am super excited about our next guest. Uh, the crew of Resolute Set Sail. And, you know, if you've been following their YouTube vlog series, which is very popular, which is awesome, them sailing in Mexico, you might have thought that they were going to sail the South Pacific. But you'll be surprised by episode 30 to find out where they actually did sail. And the crew of Resolute Set Sail are true adventurers, You'll love that interview. Uh, I'll bring it to you uh, probably in January, the way it's looking. And hopefully in January, we'll also have out uh, another episode in the Round the World Vlog series. So if you want to connect with Slowboat Sailing, check out facebook.com slash slowboatsailing, where we'll be doing DeLorme updates. We'll also be doing DeLorme updates. Updates from the middle of the South Pacific Ocean on our Twitter uh, site. Um, so if you follow us on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash slowboatsailing, or it's, uh, so we're at slowboatsailing on Twitter slash slowboatsailing. That's the slowboat to the Bahamas page on Facebook. If you want to find us on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash slowboatsailing. It's the Slowboat Sailing Channel. Uh, totally free to subscribe and see every episode as it comes out. And of course, if you are listening before November 23rd, uh, 2016, snag a free copy of my latest book, Slow Boat to Cuba. And if you're listening on the 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26 Take advantage of the discounted low price before we go up to the $4.99 price, which we'll keep for the ebook version uh, throughout the holidays. And it's possible on Amazon to not just gift the physical version, but you can also gift the ebook version very easily on Amazon.com if you're looking for a present for your favorite sailor. Happy holidays, and thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Go and have some fun on the water. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.